It is Wednesday, February 10th. We are coming off the biggest game of the year. The big game, the big one, the Super Bowl. It happened this Sunday. And, you know, it wasn't the outcome that you and I either thought was going to happen. The Kansas City Chiefs lost 9-31. to Also, we're the What's the Snaps podcast. Totally forgot to say it. I got way too excited coming into this intro to talk about a Super Bowl that, unfortunately, I don't have very many memories of. But we'll get to that story here in a minute. Sus, you actually watched the Super Bowl and were coherent enough to remember it. Yeah. So we're going to start with you, and then we'll go to my Super Bowl Sunday experience. All right, sounds good. I think yours is going to be a lot more fun, but I'll just delve into what I saw. Uh, just domination, complete and total domination. As far as uh, a product, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, a really, really boring Super Bowl. But the Chiefs just couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes whatsoever, and they needed him to get going in order to have a chance in that ball game, and he could just never do it. As soon as he got the snap each time, he just ran straight backwards, scrambled around, and then flung up a prayer. Uh, so I don't put this on Mahomes at all, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense, to me, really set the tone in this one. And then Tom Brady just executed. He does what he does. And Tampa Bay's Super Bowl champs. Very much so. And the statistic I saw was that Patrick Mahomes ran for over 500 yards trying to escape Tampa Bay defenders. That's absurd. You you can't win a game like that, and especially the Super Bowl of all games. You can't do that. You've got to protect the guy under center, and they couldn't do it. Mahomes ended the game 270 yards and two interceptions. The one interception from the replay I lost, it was a tipped pass. And I think there should be a different statistic for a tipped pass interception and a true interception. But I think that's a conversation that we could have a different day while we're still covering the Super Bowl. Tom Brady ended up being Super Bowl MVP. Do you stand with him being Super Bowl MVP after his 21 of 29 performance for 201 yards and three touchdowns? Because there I was stand. a little controversy. Just a little. Uh, who, who else potentially could have won? Leonard Fournette, 16 Fournette. carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. Gronk, six receptions, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. So, I mean, 200 yards and three touchdowns isn't a – Great performance for a quarterback, especially of Tom Brady's caliber. You know what I mean? And Leonard Fournette, especially for one back to have 89 yards and one touchdown, 16 carries. Ronald Jones also had 12 carries for 61 yards. You know, th- there's some talk. Nobody, I understand. Was, nobody was dominant, though. I understand the talk, but none of those were yeah. dominant performances. Yeah, but do you think also this could have been, you know, you have some guys that came up big, you know, Devin White. Eight solo tackles, two tackles for losses. Adama can sue a sack and a half. Uh, With how dominant the defense was, do you think they could have swung for a defensive player to be named Super Bowl MVP? That's not America. That's not how it works. They want Tom Brady up there on the stage having his moment in the sun, which he deserved. He deserved it. It's like instant, instant success with Tom Brady. I understand that their offense is stupid as far as how many weapons that they have. But of course, first year he wins the Super Bowl. Of course he does. I need to learn because we're going to get into my experience here soon, but I did something that you should never do in sports. And I bet against the goat. You can't do it. LeBron James, Tom Brady, those guys. I talk about how I just don't bet against LeBron. I don't, but I decided that I was still able to bet against Tom Brady and it was a bad decision. It was just a horrible decision. I didn't expect the chiefs offensive line to just decide that they don't enjoy blocking. They're just not like I don't think anybody did. It's just not did fun. Did they go on strike? 
Like, was there a union dispute? And the, the offensive line just said, screw it. Patrick Mahomes didn't buy us the Rolex that we wanted as our offensive line gift. So screw this guy. We're not blocking for him. Like, what the hell? I, I don't know. Maybe. I, that, that would be convincing based off what we saw. They didn't block whatsoever. And also, there's a touchdown that should have been on the board because Patrick Mahomes was literally lying horizontal <laughs> through the ball, and it hit the guy in the face mask. Could you imagine going through all of that work and delivering a miracle throw like that? Like, that's that's insane. And then the guy just dropping it. I hope Sean Watson texted him after and said, welcome to my world. Maybe. I guess. I hope that that's a text that he got afterwards. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes usually is not in on that end of too many situations. After the game, he said it's the worst he's been beaten in a very long time. And, I mean, yeah, that checks out based off how the Kansas City Chiefs have played. Um, did they have some backups on the offensive line? Is that what was going on? They or, did. Eric Fisher, their starting, I believe he's their starting left tackle, was inactive. Um, he had hurt himself in the AFC Championship game. So they were on some second stringers. Um, but still, you expect next man up philosophy. Uh, somebody to go in and make the plays that need to get done. But going back to Patrick Mahomes' offense, I don't know how true this stat is. It was one of those weird ESPN stats that they like to tweet because they have somebody who has nothing else better to do than to find super weird statistics. That this is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' football playing career, high school, college, and the NFL, that his offense has not scored a touchdown. Not just him, but his offense. That's a high-powered machine, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. just came out with a great game plan and shut it down. Shut they did. it and down. The fact that their defensive coordinator is Todd Boyles, correct? Yeah, Todd Bowles. Yeah, the fact that he is not getting major consideration for a head coaching job somewhere is ridiculous with all of these openings. A guy that can literally come out and the quarterbacks that he faced and dominated, besides Taylor Heineke, who was the biggest competition that they had, QBR-wise and statistic-wise, he gave them the biggest fight. That's crazy. Who would have thought? And also, the who thought? <laughs> signed him to a two-year deal. Two-year, $10 million. That's what he earned off one game. But he also had the he had Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. He beat all of them. And none of those guys had a good game for the most part. Yeah, who really would have thought that Taylor Heineke, out of all of those quarterbacks that he had to face, would have been the one that almost dethroned the guilt, that almost found a way to keep the Tampa Tom parade from happening. That's a Disney movie. It is. I really, really wish it would have happened. Maybe next year. Maybe next year, because we did re-sign him, and who knows what's going to happen in the draft with the Washington football team if we are going to trade up to get a quarterback or we are going to roll with the man Heineke. But uh, we, we've talked about your Super Bowl Sunday and you actually watching the game, so we'll get into mine. Um, Went to Super Bowl party. It was, it was COVID, you know, COVID-free. Minimum 10 people followed COVID guidelines. Um, but we decided that the game we were going to play was Tall Boy Roulette. Anybody who okay. doesn't know, everybody grabs a Tall Boy. Sounds irresponsible. In a bag. It was very irresponsible. Um, the bag, and you draw them. And the one that I drew was a gold four loco. Okay. Which is literally just a blackout in a can. Battery acid. It, literally. And I, I had that, and we decided to play another game where every time the team you didn't want to win scored, you had to take a shot. So you were on we Kansas City. listen yeah. to the podcast, I, I wanted Kansas City to win. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are the sole reason that I do not remember the Super Bowl. This is this is all I remember, to, to paint a picture. I remember the kickoff. I remember the first Kansas City possession. I remember Rob Gronkowski's first touchdown. 
and then it's fuzzy until the weekend's cultish halftime performance, which was super weird. He spent five million of his own dollars on that. Like I, I don't understand it. He had people in like owl, like weird white owl masks. It was weird. I didn't get it. Even if I was sober, I wouldn't have understood it. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't watch it. You didn't like the, the halftime show, unless it's somebody you really truly like. Mm-hmm. It really isn't that much of a spectacle to me. No, no me neither. Like, Lady Gaga killed it a couple of years ago. I really liked her performance. Big fan of the Gaga. Gaga. I loved Katy Perry's with Left Shark and Right Shark. That was awesome. She went for it. She had a bunch of crazy stuff in there. Yeah, but the, the weekend I wasn't sold. I'm not a big weekend guy anyway. There are a lot of people saying that the weekend is the Michael Jackson of our generation. No. I think they're preposterous because there's not going to be another Michael Jackson. And if there is, you wouldn't have somebody like me and you saying that we didn't watch the weekend's halftime performance. One willingly, one just I might have watched it, but who knows. I would have watched um, Michael Jackson's halftime performance. And then the next thing I remember is just about the end of the game and the performance. But a- another contributing factor to this was I placed nine bets on the Super Bowl. Okay. Not a single one hit. Oh, man. How, down, how, how, how much? How much are you down? If, if you don't mind me asking. A whole lot. Well, I did have a college basketball parlay that hit before the Super Bowl, and I came out up 158 bucks. Um, so it was mainly just betting that money. So I lost what I won, like a responsible gambler. Um, but I bet the coin toss. I bet tails. It was heads. Yeah. First touchdown scored, I bet Travis Kelsey. That didn't happen. Ooh. I took Kansas City's money line, which for you non-betters just means Kansas City outright win. I took Kansas City on the spread, too. It was minus three. I doubled down on Kansas City. I shouldn't have. Yikes. I took Tyreek Hill to win Super Bowl MVP. I placed a bet with somebody at the party I was with that Kansas City would score on the first drive. I also placed another bet that Kansas City would win the game with this respected individual. I placed a bet on the Gatorade color, which I bet orange, and it was blue. Um, okay, so I placed eight, not nine, but none of them hit. None of them. Hashtag fire Mike Fink. That's just a bad performance. That's just rough. Be allowed to bet. That's horrible. But yeah, the Super Bowl. If I was going to miss a Super Bowl, I'm glad it was this one. No, for sure. You missed absolutely nothing. How unentertaining I heard it was. Were the commercials good? Were were there any standout commercials? There were some standout commercials. There were a couple. I'm trying to to rack my brains here and and, and think of a couple. I can find those on YouTube, though. I'd I'd, I'd rather go back and watch the commercials at this point on YouTube for this year. Then, I, then I, I would check them out. I just don't understand how this Super Bowl can be so one-sided going into it. Todd Bowles is just a fantastic defensive coordinator. And do you think that teams in this upcoming year that are facing Patrick Mahomes are going to try to recreate the system that he used? Or do you think it's mainly because the Chiefs had some missing pieces on the offensive line and some plays didn't go their way? Well, Todd Bowles kept it pretty simple for the most part. They didn't bring heat all game. A lot of ga- a lot of times they just rushed forward and flat out beat them. So I, I think front it- four is a lot better than a lot other teams, except for maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers, the L.A. Rams, Washington football team. They're in like those are the premier front four in football. I mean, with any quarterback, uh, the more you hit them, the better chance that you're going to have. And that's what you got to do, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, just because he's he's such an amazing talent. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think he, that anybody against the Kansas City Chiefs has to find a way to pressure Mahomes while not getting burnt on the back end against just 
that that insane team, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers found a way to do it. They did, and we're going to look ahead to next year now because since the Super Bowl is already over, they've released the odds for who's going to win the Super Bowl next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and here they are. Do you want to take a, a guess at who the favorite to win the Super Bowl is next year? I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. Oh, close. <laughs> Very close. Just kidding. They're actually the bottom at plus 10,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they don't really have a team right now. Even though they did just – their president resigned. So they're trying – they're hoping that that might keep Pat uh, – I said almost like Patrick Mahomes – Deshaun Watson around because That's they your- really don't want to get rid of him. Uh, words are hard. Ex- ignore me. But – they, they want to keep Deshaun Watson around. Who knows if that's going to happen? But the number one odds, we'll go over the top five. The Chiefs are number one at plus 550. Packers are number two at plus 900. The Buccaneers are also at plus 900. The Baltimore Ravens are at plus 1,200, and the Bills are at plus 1,200. So they still think the Chiefs are, are, are going to come back this year and go to the Super Bowl. I think a lot of what's in play here is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to find a way to sign a number of really, really good players in this offseason. So that also, you know, coupled with with the idea that, you know, I, I guess has been disproven time and time again with Tom Brady, that he's going to be 44 instead of 43. Maybe there's a difference. Probably not. I'm not going to say that. So I, I guess maybe if you assume that Tampa's not going to be able to re-sign everybody, then third makes sense. But to me, if they have this team next year on the field, they're my favorites for sure. 100%. And for those of you who don't know, these are the players that have the potential to leave in free agency this year. Linebacker Levante David, wide one. receiver Chris Godwin, who they did say at the parade today that they do plan on. They, Bruce Aaron said that Chris Godwin will be back, which is great. Outside linebacker Shaq Barrett, tight end Rob Gronkowski, uh, Indomitian Sue. Leonard Fournette, as they're calling him now, Lombardi Lenny. Love the nickname. Love it. Uh, Antonio Brown, also a free agent. Ryan Scope, the kicker, I think that's right. LaShawn McCoy, running back. Steven McLendon, defensive line. Um, and okay, so we got the big ones. Yeah, yeah, th- those are the big ones. And then we're getting into corners who nobody knows their name. Um, is oh, Winfield oh, massive free agent is Blaine Gabbert. Massive free agent. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, if, if they can retain those guys, you know, you're, you're going to want to keep Gronk. Unless he retires again, who knows? He came back for another Super Bowl with Brady and won another one. Um, but, you know, Adamican Sue, Chris Godwin, and Levante David are huge re-signs for them. If they can keep those guys back, there's no, there, there's no reason that they can't repeat as Super Bowl champions or at least make it there again. To me, if you're Antonio Brown, you're just glad to be in the NFL. You're riding Brady's coattails as long as possible, so he should take whatever. Chris Godwin, I think, deserves that number one receiver money, but he might have to settle for number two receiver money, which is still really, really good. And when I say number two, I mean like top ten instead of top five. I I don't mean he's not a premier receiver because he is. So I I think Godwin, I mean, if he's smart, he's going to find a way to – Leech off Tom Brady as much as possible. 100%. Well, I, I, why would you? This receiving core. Gronk's is, back. Yeah. Gronk's back. And also Cameron Brate is fantastic. But Antonio Brown did have a touchdown pass. Um, he caught it on Tyran Matthew, who he and Tom Brady exchanged some words. Tyran is saying that Tom Brady said a phrase that he is not comfortable repeating. Um, so there's only who knows what he actually did say. Yeah, that's an um, interesting that's situation. Why it, it's a very interesting situation. I don't know what... You know, Tom Brady's a pretty well-respected guy in the NFL, from what I understand. 
Honestly, I'm not in the know of the NFL, but I don't know of him as a guy to go and say something like that. Maybe Matthew misunderstood him, but hey, Antonio Brown back to him. What, what was that? Something that he wouldn't want to repeat could be a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, but A.B. did have a touchdown pass. And going back to Chris Godwin, I agree with you that in, in this offense, unfortunately, he is a number two because Mike Evans is just so dominant. And Mike Evans is an absolute dog. But they are going to have that same situation where they're Stephen Clay or even Stephen Kevin Durant maybe when they were on the Warriors together. Both those guys can beat you at any given time. And it just depends on who's hot and getting open. And that's what's dangerous. And especially with Brady's situation, I think that if they can keep those two, they can build around the rest of the offense. So Mike Evans and Godwin should be the priority. You can live with one running back. It'd be great to have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I don't know if that's realistic based off how those guys have played this season. But if you can keep Chris Godwin, uh, I think you're good to go. And Levante David on the defense. 100%, because he is an anchor on that defensive side along with Devin Bo- or Devin. Uh, Devontae Smith, sorry. Um, no, that's not his name either. Devin White. Um, I just can't get names right right now. But do you think that this is the last, and this wasn't even really an elite performance from Tom Brady, do you think that we are now going to start seeing Peyton Manning on the Broncos nope. with Tom Brady? You, you, you don't, because I don't think we are either. I think he's still got maybe one to two more years left of him being – not Tom Brady of old, but Tom Brady of new, where he's going to throw for about 250, 260, two to three touchdowns, and get the job done every time. He just shows no signs that he's going to slow down anytime soon. Every time you doubt him, he comes back and makes you look silly. So I don't know how many more years, but I don't think next one's. I don't think next year's his last. Could be though. Yeah. So let's let's before we move on to another topic in the NFL that I want to touch on real quick. Give me your Super Bowl prediction for next year. This is 2022 Super Bowl. Let's hear Michael Sussman's official prediction. Just the winner or the matchup also? Matchup and winner. Running it back, Kansas City gets this one. Gets the Ooh, next Running one. it back, Kansas City gets this one. Um, I'm going to say one of these two teams will return. Which one? I, I think it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they make it, and... I am going to keep riding high on the Buffalo Bills, and I think that they are going to take one from Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to make the Super Bowl this year. I'm not if mad Tampa that. Bay didn't win the Super Bowl this year, and we were going to start to maybe see the demolition of that team, because who knows if they were going to stay if they couldn't win it, you know, because they were essentially assembling a super team to win the Super Bowl. And if it didn't happen, they were going to go their separate ways. The Green Bay Packers are my other team coming out of the NFC, because I think they, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on a tear. And if they can get him any kind of help that – they can beat anybody in the league. But I have the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in my Super Bowl 2022. And, you know, I, I got Tom Brady winning it again. He's going to go for eight. That's, that's, that's absurd. Are you tired of him yet, or, or do you appreciate it? I tired of because I was tired of LeBron James as well. But I appreciate the fact that I'm watching sports at the same time LeBron is doing all of these incredible things. And I feel the same way about Tom Brady. The fact that he was able to win Super Bowls with the dynasty of the New England Patriots. And then the first year, he just goes, I want to go play in warm weather. Let's go to Tampa. And I'll bring Gronk with me. Let's figure it out. It's almost like an insanely hard 
task, which is playing in the NFL, is just not that difficult for Tom Brady. Either that or he's just figured it out. There's something that he, he knows that nobody else does. And he just pulls the strings year in, year out. Or maybe, hot take, he sold his soul to a demon. Bill Belichick. You think Bill Belichick's a de- Well, if he sold his soul to Bill Belichick, then he wouldn't have won this one without him. Yeah, that's true. He picked some demon, and he sold his soul to a demon in order for immortality, because he hasn't really aged, and the ability to win Super Bowls just nonstop. Maybe he was in Ann Arbor. Maybe he was in his college days. Maybe. maybe he, oh, he could have done it before the draft. Before the combine video? Before the, before, no, after the combine, because he saw how bad his 40 <laughs> was, and he was like, the only way I'm going to make it in the league is if I sell my soul to the devil. Possible. The devil went down to Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, and he was looking for a soul to steal, and he picked Tom Brady's. I mean, Tom Brady it was just for Super Bowls. Tom Brady didn't look like he had a soul when he was uh, John with Tyron Matthew there. He didn't, not at all. But the other topic I want to talk about in the NFL is is it's a recent one. I don't know if you've seen it, but Wilson could be traded from the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know about that. Where, where did you see that? Because I know that he said on air, he said on the Dan Patrick show that he would like to have more say in decision-making, but is he necessarily in a potential trade situation? There was that. He also went on uh, Rick Eisen and said that he is frustrated with how often he gets hit and he's frustrated that he continues to get hit. So those two are big concerns for a quarterback, not having a say in play calling and decision-making making and he has been, since he's been drafted, he has been sacked 100 more times than the next person in the league at the quarterback position. That's a substantial that, amount. That's a legitimate reason to one out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Seattle gets rid of him because he basically is a Seattle Seahawks at this point. But do you think that maybe they could roll the dice on some first-round draft picks with a team who needs a quarterback and you go and you draft one of these guys in the first round and Pete Carroll already likes to run a run-heavy offense you saw him take a rookie quarterback in Russell Wilson to the Super Bowl. Do you think that's a move that the Seattle Seahawks could make and still be in contention in that absolutely just loaded NFC West conference? No, not a chance. They need Russell Wilson. Not a prayer. Any team needs Russell Wilson. Yeah. There's only three to four teams that realistically would not improve with Russell Wilson, a quarterback. Yeah, and even then they might because they could he, actually block. He's just an animal. I don't think he's going anywhere either. either, either but we wanted to plant the seeds – you know, because it could be the talks. He could be, he and Deshaun Watson could be plotting to both leave their respected areas. You know, they're obviously not teaming up anywhere, but maybe they're going to the same conference. Who knows? Do you think maybe Tom set a precedent in the same way that LeBron did going to Miami all those years ago in the NFL, that if you're a premier guy, you can, you can move, you can take your talents elsewhere if you need more around you. I think he did. And I, Time will tell if that's a good thing for the NFL because the NFL has been very, you stay where you're drafted if you're good enough and they build around you, and then you can win. Um, But I'd be interested to see. I think it's going to take one other big guy because, yes, LeBron did it, but it didn't become very popular until Kevin Durant did it. Because LeBron left South Beach, and then, which, like, could you imagine, I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that would be like Golden State in the NFL where they're already stacked and a premier player is leaving. Okay. I'm going to use the Cleveland Browns because they are stacked offensively. Odell Jarvis, 
great tight ends, a great running back core. If Russell Wilson went to Cleveland, if Russell Wilson went to Cleveland, I, I don't. That I, I mean, that would be that'd be a great team. That, that's a Super Bowl it would contender. Be absurd. But it, it's I, the only I don't move that it. I can think of that would be like a KD to the Warriors. And, but it's yeah. going to take one other big guy to another location before it solidifies as a precedent. And he, he, he's going to have to win. If Russell or Deshaun go to one of these teams, you know, or if, you know, if they make it to the Colts or the, uh, I'm trying to think of a team that another team that needs a quarterback right now, you know, football team or uh, the Browns are talking about moving off Baker Mayfield, which I hate, but or any of these teams, if they go there and they win, then the precedent will be solidified, I believe. Yeah, he would definitely need to go somewhere with a solid roster in place, or else it would just be more of the same story. But you kind of got to look more at the Seahawks here. How have you let this happen? That's your prized possession. Mm-hmm. You just left your favorite toy out of the rain. It didn't even feel bad. No, exactly. You left your brand new bike to get rusty, and then you're going to be mad when it doesn't ride like it used to. That's, That's exactly. what they're doing to Russell Wilson. Do you think that this is the same situation with Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts, in a sense? I mean, it, it has the potential to get there. I don't think it is right now because of the way that Russ played last year. He, he, mm -hmm. he still, his body is still capable of being an elite quarterback. We see it game in, game out. But, I mean, that can only go on for so long. It could be. You would hate to see it. So I, I really put all this responsibility on Seattle. they got to find a way to convince Russell Wilson up front that they can protect him. 100%. And I think if, if you're Russell Wilson, which is more important for you? Protection? Like ensuring that you can get some offensive line help or having a bigger say in play calling? Which is more important to you? Definitely offensive line. That that is your that is the mortgage on your house. That is your that is your longevity. That is your livelihood. Literally. I mean, he he's gonna be sore regardless after football for a very long time, but you can really mess yourself up physically uh, in your playing days if you're getting if you're picking yourself up picking picking yourself up off the ground constantly. I agree, but to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, um, Russell Wilson is obviously top three quarterback, top five quarterback in the league. I think he's a top two. I think he's 1A, 1B with Patrick Mahomes. But if you have more say in the play calling, then you are able to help decide what plays are called. You can get quick outs. You can get run plays when you need it. Maybe he doesn't have control of the line of scrimmage like he wants. Maybe he's not a guy like Manning who had complete control of the line of scrimmage to change whatever he needed. Or a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers and Matt, uh, not Matt Nagy, Matt LaFleur have that connection in Green Bay that he can change the play at the line of scrimmage whenever he wants. And maybe that's what he doesn't have. But, so but no matter, no matter what, no matter what play he calls, if they can't protect him, it doesn't matter. You're right. You're right. And I'm agreeing. I'm just sitting here playing devil's advocate to you because maybe he's not allowed to slide protection either. Maybe he's not allowed to read the, the backer blitzing and have the running back stay in the block. Maybe those are things that Pete Carroll doesn't allow to happen in that offense that he wants control of to become more of a decision maker at the line of scrimmage. And that's more frustrating to him than the technical X's and O's when they line up on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they didn't have any, he didn't have any problem going to Russ with the game on the line from the one but, I mean, I guess, I guess Russ probably would have just as, as well handed that one off. Yeah. And who knows? And, you know, if we had a time machine and we could run back and see it happen again, 
We could, but we don't have a time machine. But, man, speaking of going back in time, I'll tell you right now, if I could go back in time and I could watch that WVU-Texas Tech game all over again from last night, I would sure as hell travel back in time. And I might even travel back in time and end up in Lubbock to watch that game. But let's clap it up for our Mountaineers. What a game that that was was last night. Was your favorite part of the game the fact that we got the win or that Chris Beard got ejected and sat on the floor, Matt? Both. Both. All right, let me tell you this. Those two teams, West Virginia and Texas Tech, have my two favorite coaches in all of college basketball. Obviously, Bob Huggins is my guy. I love him to death. He's a visionary. He's a hero. He's just the greatest West Virginian and human of all time. But Chris Beard, what he did last night was awesome. He is my second favorite coach in college basketball right now. Sit down on the floor. Have you ever seen a coach just pop a squat? I'm I'm not doing this right here. Deal with me. That I think my favorite part of the entire thing is he's mad. He's mad. He's pissed. He goes over, daps up Bob Huggins, and then runs off the court. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Losing my mind. But looking at not a Mountaineer fan right now, I completely understand how upset he was. Those two fouls that were called on Mac McClung, which is essentially what he was super pissed off about. Because the first one was a hold. I'll, I'll admit it. I can't remember if he was holding Jalen Bridges or Emmett Matthews. Um, but it was a hold. Small hold. But I understand the call. And one on Deuce McBride was just a basketball play that I think that they got away with calling a cheap foul on. It was a chest bump. That was definitely a cheap foul. I think there were a lot of things in that moment. Uh, Mac McClung getting fouled out included that just piqued his frustration at the perfect moment for just the most amazing outburst I've ever seen. And I agree. My favorite part of it, too, was was the fist bump with with Bob Huggins because that's all respect. It, it's I'm dealing with these idiots right now. Hey, good game, though. Way to go. Yeah. I, I, exactly. did, I actually asked Bob Huggins about that afterwards in the press conference, and he didn't go there. He kind of gave me the, the normal run around. Chris Beard, he runs a great program. I've got a lot of respect for him and his players. Like I, he, he said what he had to say in that situation. Exactly. Um, but, wow, Chris Beard, what a guy. What a legend. Second favorite coach in college basketball. But the first one, my first favorite, Bob Huggins, greatest coach ever. He's got the mojo going right now for sure. He does. And – that game was, and I'm also going to say Chris Beard did a great job coaching that game because the Mountaineers were flustered for a lot of that game because of the defense that Texas Tech was able to play. I was worried for a lot of that game towards the middle chunk of the game. You know, the last five or six of the first half and the first five or six of the second half, they had our number. When Derek Culver was out in foul trouble for a lot of that game, which we had both of our stars in foul trouble, Miles McBride sat a lot of the first half with two early fouls. And then Derek Culver sat a majority of the middle portion of the game. Most of the second half, he sat with four fouls, and we were still able to come out and have the offense working. Great, uh, great job sharing the basketball and and just making timely shots. How about that? How about Sean McNeil just stepping Career up? Career high twenty six points. Only had three against Kansas in the last game. Comes out on fire when he's confident. He's as good as any shooter in college basketball. We just don't see it every game from him, but hopefully he's starting to heat up at the right time. And he has 100% bona fide NBA range. 
this dude can pull back from from almost 40 feet. Like it, it seems like his range is limitless at times. And the same with Deuce McBride. Deuce McBride hit some very timely three pointers. Only went one from two. Hit one three pointer. Uh, Sean McNeil five of seven. We shot a collective 50 percent from the three point line last night, which is incredible, especially compared to Texas Tech's 29.4 percent from the three point line which was not very good. But this game was a game for the absolute ages. I was lo- I love that we were able to sweep Texas Tech. Um, but I am a little frustrated right now because the man, Jay Billis, I don't know if you saw it on the Twitter, um, he tweeted out his top 10 college basketball programs in the nation. Are you ready? I'm going to read them to you. Is this programs or teams right now? Or teams right now. Sorry, teams. Okay. I got you. Uh, number one and number two, respectively, are Gonzaga and Baylor. I don't think you can argue that. They haven't lost. Number three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm, that's a little premature for me. They're, they're playing real good basketball. I understand the hype on them. Uh, Villanova Wildcats, number four. Jay Wright always got his guys ready to go. Perennial powerhouse. Is the Illinois fighting Illini? Illini? Illini. Whatever they are. Yeah, Illini. Yeah, that, that thing. I don't even know what that is. Very high on so the big five. Is Michigan another Big Ten program? Wow. Number seven is the Houston Cougars. Number eight, Iowa Hawkeyes. They're a little low. Number nine, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And this is the one that gets me. This is the one that gets me. And this was released three hours ago. Texas Tech Red Raiders. Where's the respect? Was this today? Three hours ago. What's Texas Tech's record? Tweeted by ESPN. We're ahead of them in the Big Texas, 12. 14 and 5, they're 14 and 6. We have okay, the, so about the same record, and we've swept the series. This is why I bring this up. We were talking about us sweeping Texas Tech. How are they the 10th best team in the nation when we have beat them twice? They're not above them. Well, Jay Billis is a known bum. He doesn't pick up the check when he goes out to eat with Bob Huggins. We exposed him earlier on uh in the show so or not this particular show but a few months ago screw jay billis he's the worst we have a better record than them we're ahead of them in the big 12 and swept them and we're deeper and better just flat i mean texas tech is a heck of a team we are flat out better than texas tech we have way more weapons offensively exactly and they're six in the big 12 right now they're behind kansas texas and Oklahoma, then us and Baylor. He doesn't know what to do. Duke sucks. He's bored, and he's just writing stuff down. And I understand that they have a great they, – they have great players, and not just Mac McClung, who we talk about a lot because of how electric he is, but Terrence Shannon. You've got a guy like Marcus Santos Silva, played a great game, fouled out last night, uh, did a good job banging down low with Culver and Asaboying. And it just I, – I don't understand how they are – number 10 and it really frustrates me because the only thing that i can think sets them apart from us is the name recognition of mac mcclung it could be but deuce has gone toe-to-toe with them in both games exactly but i i I don't think deuce gets the respect in the college basketball world outside of the mountaineer nation that's a problem because yeah like mac mcclung the georgetown transfer he had a massive hype tape coming into college people watched him in high school so he's got that name recognition that Deuce McBride, unfortunately, does not. Because I think Deuce McBride is probably the best player in the Big 12. I know you sent me the text that he's the best 
player in the Big 12 and the best guard in college basketball. I'm not shying away from that one for a second. And I will take him in the last five minutes of any ball game. He's a straight-up killer when it comes to those big-time shots, those big-time moments. He wants the ball in his hands. And that mentality is just as much part of what makes him so special as anything. But he just runs the floor like a gazelle. He's got that great pull-up jumper to go with it. So I hope he stays around for another year. Maybe there's some draft rumors this season. But I think if Deuce McBride sticks around for one more season, develops just a little bit more, he's a lottery pick, no question. 100%. And I think he needs to develop a little bit more in his ball handling. I think his ball handling can be improved a little bit more. He can become a little bit better passer of the basketball. He makes some really good passes but he's not a pure passer in that regard. And he is a little small to play a two guard. So he would fall into that de facto point guard kind of role there in the NBA. But there are some draft rumors with him, just his projected spot if he were to go. And he's an early to mid second round guy right now, um, which I can understand because again, he doesn't have that national credibility that some of these other guys do like a Mac McClung or a Jalen Suggs who is also playing phenomenal, one of the best guards in college basketball from Gonzaga, the Zags. Um, I hope he stays around as well. I hope all of these guys stay around for the most part because they can get that extra year of eligibility because of COVID, and we can bring back basically this entire team next year, and that would be amazing. This is a special group. Um, as we've talked about before, and it's becoming very clear, we do not need Oscar Shibway at all. In fact, we are quite a bit better without him. Um, I would agree. This this is an awesome team. I think they definitely should stay together. I think they're going to have a chance to make a run this year and hopefully a chance again next year. This, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Right now in February, rolling into March, this is how you want to be playing. 100%. And especially when we're coming into the this just continuous tough stretch. Because coming up next, on the 13th, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. We fell to them earlier in the season in a hard-fought game. That was absolutely gut-wrenching. We lost to them 75-71. With the way this Mountaineer team is playing, is there any doubt in your mind that they cannot go into Norman? And at this point, it's an upset and until the new rankings come out because we're 14, they're 12. It'll change eventually. But to go in and beat the Oklahoma Sooners, is there I any think doubt? I, I think it's a Morgantown. But, uh, is it a Morgantown? Okay. I, I believe so. But I, I don't have a doubt that they can. But I think that they have to put forth another performance like they did in Lubbock the other night. I mean, they got to bring it. They got to turn around and play another phenomenal basketball game because Oklahoma is always very disciplined. They share the ball really well. Austin Reeves and Brady Manick, they know how to find those soft spots in the defense. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. We, we don't know what to do with him. So um, we can, but I, I toss up to me. This one, I think it's a one-two one, possession game down the stretch. I think this is going to be the difference maker for us. The last time we played Oklahoma, Derek Culver had two points and Sean McNeil had five points. This was the first start for Jalen Bridges. He got his first start against Oklahoma, had 19 points. Deuce McBride had 15 points. Taz Sherman had 19. Hopefully Taz Sherman can come back from that injury that he was scratched from right before Sh Sean McNeil was just a plug-in starter. He was not projected to start that game but if Derek Culver plays with even a shred of what he has normally had this season I think we are dominating Oklahoma because he had two points seven turnovers six rebounds and 22 minutes of play that's not Derek Culver 
Yeah, that was right after the Sheebway situation, and we were coming off of some tough losses. So now that West Virginia's feeling it, I, I think it's a lot better situation. Derek Culver's getting a lot more comfortable now, just being that big, getting all those touches down there. He's a walking double double. He, he gets a, it seemingly every single game, he gets a double double. Uh, Oklahoma, they're, they're going to find a way to be in it, though. It's not going to be, it's going to be a dogfight. I, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a close one. 100%. And, and you talked about double double leaders. I'm currently pulling it up because I believe Derek Culver, Derek Culver is seventh in college basketball in double doubles with nine. Um, and he is playing just out of his mind. He's, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. He's one of my favorite Mountaineers. And I'm going to talk about the historic 2012 West Virginia team because I think that, I think, do you think that Miles McBride and Derek Culver could both start on that 2012 team? 2010. Or, yeah, 10, sorry. About uh, Final Four, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, could they start? Okay. Um, so you got to think Miles McBride is going to take the spot of Truck Bryant. I, I a lot different, way different players. Just because Truck's more of a true point guard, like you said earlier, Deuce mm-hmm. is kind of more of a two, even though he plays the one a lot. I mean, Deuce is a better player. I mean, that I have yeah. no problem saying that. That's not that's not hard to admit. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then what about so, yeah. Derek Culver? You, you you think I think he's the easier fit into that team. He's big, over. plays defense, rebounds, can move. He's better than Wellington Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they're two of the best WVU players that we have seen in a long time. Does that team beat Duke? The additions of Deuce McBride and Derek Culver? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so, I as long see. as – and if – in rewrite history, Deshaun Butler does not tear his ACL. Yeah, if that was – that was awful. That was awful. If Deshaun Butler. If he stays healthy, if he stays healthy mm. and Deuce and Culver are on there, Mountaineers by 50. Like, come on. Yeah. What, what, a, what, a guy that, what a guy that was, Deshaun Butler, man. Absolute legend. One of my favorite guys to ever put on a WVU uniform. Yeah. He was a – but I think Deuce has a similar mentality to him. He, he's taken on the big moments, and he wants those primetime games. He did. He wanted the ball in his hands at the end of this game. He wanted the ball in his hands, and he delivered. Absolutely delivered in the clutch moments. And I think he's only going to get more of these moments as the season go on, goes on and in these tough games that we have ahead of us. Because as we've said, the season only gets harder for the West Virginia Mountaineers after we leave or after the game with Oklahoma. Because then we have to go, and after Oklahoma, we have Baylor, It doesn't get any easier. Let's do it, though. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. And I think the Mountaineers, the only place we can go is up. I think we can realistically in this season. We're, we're fighting for a three-seed in the tournament right now. That's realistically the spot we're at is to finish the season as a three-seed in March Madness. I mean, is Jay Billis the one making the bracket? I mean, God, I hope no, because then we'd be a 16 seed. <laughs> yeah, right. I think we're, we, we, we play like a two. I think we're the quality of a two-seed with those early conference losses. It's going to be hard to get there. I think we're, we're solid three right now to me. I think so, too. And I, I think we can make waves no matter where we go, no matter what seed we're in. We're definitely going to make waves. It doesn't matter. It, uh, it, any matchup we get, I think this team, especially this team now that we are Sheevewayless, 
better with any other team because when we did have Oscar Shibwe, if there was a smaller team, we could not catch up. Now, I mean, we're going to struggle if we end up fight, fighting a Gonzaga with Kisper and Timmy, but we played them earlier in the year with Shibwe. He didn't have a great game, and we still competed with Gonzaga. But I think we can take on anybody. That, that's what we've seen, and we did compete with Gonzaga. That was a close game. We had a chance in that one. We know Are we you, can compete with anybody, but how, can we do it consistently? Right now, it looks like we can't. And do you think we're going to go in the tournament as the Big 12 champions? Ooh, I like that one. Regular season or co- tournament, right? Tournament? Yeah, conference champions. Do you think we're going to go in as the tournament champion? Yes. Yes, I do. I do, too. I do, too. This is the year that we go down there and pull it out. Mm-hmm. Because realistically... The conference is is loaded, you know. Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech. Baylor's the big competition there. We haven't seen us play Baylor. We've played everybody else. We know that we can compete with everybody else in the conference, if not sweep them at Texas Tech. So, I like us. I think we're going into the tournament as the Big Twelve champions. Is this starting to have somewhat of a 2010 feel? Getting hot at the right time. You got a really talented, deep team that can beat you in a number of ways. We haven't had that in a while. All of our teams have been very lopsided in one direction yes. at West Virginia. And this yes. year, this now, especially now that they're playing better defensively since Huggy Bear called them out a couple weeks ago, they're looking like a well-rounded group. Maybe not the most dominant defensively, but this team just has a really deep, talented cast that reminds me of 2010. And what you, you, you say not as dominant defensively, but what we, what we lack in the dominant defensive category, we make up for it offensively. Because I think this might be the best offensive WVU team that I have ever seen. I mean, I guess you have to think about Deshaun, that group, a lot just They're because of what he could do. the only other competition that these guys have because they were gifted offensively in scoring the basketball. All of those guys were him, Kevin Jones, Devin Ebanks, Chuck Bryant. Those guys could all get their buckets respectively. Joe Mazzula. Those guys could get their buckets when they needed it. But this is it, if this isn't the best offensive team, it's the best team we've seen since then. This team offensive. can stroke from three, too. We haven't seen that. Yes, we have not. That, that 2010 team was not a great three-point shooting team. No, they weren't. Uh, but not much of college basketball was at that point because, you know, Steph Curry wasn't a thing, and nobody was pulling up from 35 feet in middle school to get you to be good in college to pull up from 30 feet. Hey, Sean McNeil's not afraid to do it. Sean McNeil is the next Steph Curry. You heard it here first. He's going to the league. He's going to break Steph Curry's three-point record. I believe it. Hey, we'll see if he keeps playing like he did the other night. He did, and we are about done this episode of the podcast. We want to give a quick shout-out to the people at Baked Goods Vintage. I'm rocking my Camden Yards hat. Go O's. You can find them at bakedgoodsvintage.com, their brand-new blog website. Make sure to check them out on Instagram at Baked Goods Vintage. If you are a fan of anything vintage clothes, trashed workwear, sick Johns, you can find it all at bakedgoodsvintage.com and at their Instagram, Baked Goods Vintage. Be sure to check them out from the guys at the What's the Snaps podcast. I am Mike Fink along with Michael Sussman. Take us out. Big things coming. Can't go into too many specifics, but keep your eyes out. Watch us on the Twitter. What's the Snaps is going hard, baby.